Welcome to the Devoted City Church podcast. Our mission is to help people find, trust, and follow Jesus. To learn more about our church, visit devotedcity.com. In today's episode, you'll hear a message from our lead pastor, Donnie Williams, or a member of our teaching team. All right, good morning. Happy Mother's Day, moms. Thank you for being here with us, sharing this special day with us at LifePoint. Well, we're a week off of our uh, vision to become everything you just heard Dom talk about in the video you saw. Like he said, go to devotedcity.com and you can watch last week's message and read a little bit more about what God's calling us to do as a church. Well, we're in the last three weeks of our series through the Sermon on the Mount. This is week 14. I said it was going to be 15 weeks. Uh, it's going to be a little bit longer than that. But it's, it's turned out to be this series where we've learned about what Jesus Christ believes. If you ever want to know what Jesus believes, read the Sermon on the Mount. Because what we read in Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7 is Jesus teaching the first group of people that said, we're attracted to what you're teaching and doing. And Jesus sits them down and says, well, let me tell you what life following me is like. He calls it the kingdom of God, which is God's rule in our hearts. And he says, this is what life with the kingdom of God ruling in your life is going to be like. And so we've talked about many different topics uh, to deal with morality, to deal with belief, to deal with attitude. And so we know what Jesus believes about a lot of things. And we're going to find out today what he believes about something that's prevalent in our culture that you've probably had said to you or you've heard said to somebody else. So let's pray. God, we open your word today and we ask that you speak to us. God, uh, today as we uh, just look into your words, I pray that that your word speaks to our heart. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So you've probably heard this phrase, stop judging me. And here's what somebody means by that. Don't say anything negative about who I am or what I do or what I, how I choose to live my life. Don't look at me and say something I'm doing is wrong. If you do that, you're judging me. And so that gets adopted even into uh, people who follow Christ, even into the church where you might hear the phrase, well, who am I to judge? Who am I to judge? I can't, I can't judge because I got problems in my life, so I can't. I can't judge somebody else's life. All of that sounds reasonable. Here's the issue. It's wrong. It's not what God's word teaches. Now, is the phrase, don't judge others in in the Bible? The phrase is in there, yes, but you can't build an entire philosophy of life around one phrase in the Bible. Several years ago, I noticed uh, this friend of mine that when, many years ago, that Every time I was around him, I I smelled alcohol. And if you've been around alcohol, you know there's a difference in somebody just, you know, they had a drink with dinner or they had just a drink and they've been drinking all day. You know the difference in the smell, right? Well, I continued to smell the I've been drinking all day smell. And finally, I confronted him. And I said, hey, I'm concerned about you. Here's what I've observed and that's not good. You shouldn't be doing that. And 
he never treated me the same after that. Then I was invited into this episode with a family who had discovered someone in the family had been living a hidden immoral life and they wanted me to be a part of the confrontation. And so I said, yes. And, and I go in and I'm, I'm like 30 at the time. I had never done anything like this before. So it was an intervention. And so I'm sitting in there and they go around and they tell uh, the other family member uh, everything that they've discovered and observed. And that family member was broken and they cried. They begged for forgiveness and their life changed after that. Another friend, another sin, another judgment, but this time it was different. They cried, even thanked me, and we're still close to this day. So today I'm talking about judgment. The world hates it. Some Christians say, oh, we can't, we can't, you can't judge, you can never judge. But here's what the Bible actually teaches. We have to judge. And we're told exactly how to judge. There's a right way and a wrong way to judge. So if you're tired of hearing the phrase, stop judging me. Jesus didn't judge people, but the church judges people. You see that over and over. See, the Sermon on the Mount is like Proverbs in the New Testament. It's, it's the sayings of Jesus that they may or may not even be sequential, but they're all used for wisdom for living from our Lord. So here's what Jesus says about judgment in Matthew chapter seven, beginning in verse one. Do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you'll be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now, you might read that and go, well, that totally contradicts everything you just said. And that, those are verses a lot of people love to read. So if you say, hey, what you're doing is wrong, it's harmful, it's not of God, wait, Jesus said, don't judge. Don't do it. Stop judging me. Well, in the original context, as Jesus said these words, he's talking to a group of people that lived in a culture of judgment. They lived in a culture of religious people who lived one way, but imposed rules in another way on people. They would have judged each other based on everything, especially uh, what God they worshiped, especially uh, their gender, especially their status, especially their economic status. They would have judged each other. And here's what we're gonna learn today. Jesus is not saying never judge. He's getting ready to tell them how to judge. Now, how do we know we can judge? Well, later in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul is speaking to a group of people in the book of 1 Corinthians. You can't read 1 Corinthians and say you shouldn't judge because he brings up someone who is part of the church and he says this person who is living a sexually immoral life in its context, and then he brings, talks about all these other sins and he's saying, look, you guys are proud of the fact you're accepting people who are living in sin. That's what Paul tells them. You're even proud of it. And so he says, I need you to just expel that person from you. Now that sounds cruel. 
It sounds judgmental, doesn't it? But here's what Paul is trying to say. He's saying, look, you can't, uh, you, you can't get away from people who are immoral. What he's trying to say is people who call themselves a brother or sister in Christ and yet never intend to live the way Christ called them to live, those are the people who stay away from. If we had to stay away from immoral people, we could never go out of the house. And he's not saying that. He's saying hypocrites. Don't let hypocrites come in among you and act like they follow Jesus but never intend to follow Jesus. In fact, the Apostle Paul says it like this in 1 Corinthians 5, verse 12 and 13. What business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? Are you not to judge those inside? God will judge those outside. Expel the wicked person from among you. Now, that's not a popular verse. You probably don't see that practice very often, but what he's saying is, if someone among you is immoral and they won't stop, they refuse to stop and they never intend to follow Christ, they never intend to deny themselves and follow him, and yet they claim they follow Jesus and are proud of the fact the other way they live, he's saying, expel that person from among you. He's not saying, expel all sinful people, otherwise none of us would be here. So this isn't a contradiction. There's a right way to judge and there's a wrong way to judge. And in Jesus in the next verses tells us exactly how to judge. Verse three, Matthew chapter seven. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? See, Jesus is using this illustration to them that would have been clear to his listeners. He's talking about there's something in someone's eye that shouldn't be there. It's a foreign object. And both are foreign object. It's either sawdust or it's a plank. The sawdust, maybe you can't see, it's just an irritant, but the plank you can see. And what he's saying is, If you've got all this sin in your life that you refuse to deal with, how could you look at somebody else and say, oh, let me deal with your little thing. Just let me deal with that and ignore the sin that's going on in your life. And he's using this illustration that would have been clear to all of his listeners. He's painting a picture of the next thing he's gonna call them. He says, verse five, you hypocrite. He's painting a picture of hypocrisy. First, take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will, be, then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So when you read this in its context, Jesus is not saying never judge. He's saying this is how you judge. Judgment between right and wrong was not the problem. It was hypocritical judgment. He's saying you're judging others when you have this big sin in your life that you refuse to deal with, but you're going and trying to just find fault in other people's lives. He's saying take care of your sin first before calling out others. Why? Because here's normally what happens. It's easy to see the faults in other people. It's like if I said uh, greedy people are bad, you would go, yes, greed, greed is bad. Who's greedy? everybody else. Nobody goes, you know what? I'm greedy. I am. When I talk about greed, we think about other people. 
So what Jesus is saying is deal with what's going on in your life. Doesn't mean you have to be perfect, but deal with what's going on in your life because what's going on in your life is probably a lot bigger than you think it is. And what's going on in their life is probably smaller than you think it is. So deal with that first so you can judge between right and wrong. Theologian John Stott says it like this. We have a fatal tendency to exaggerate the faults of others and minimize the gravity of our own. In other words, we want to be judged on our best day. And we tend to judge others on their worst day. If you're going to judge me, uh, is Donnie a good communicator or not? I will send you my best ones if you're going to if you're gonna be judging that, I'll send you the best ones. The ones that got the most views and likes and pats on the back. Those are the ones I want you to judge me by. Don't judge me by the one that uh, I didn't get a good night's sleep and wasn't really passionate about it, didn't have enough time to really get into God's word. Don't judge me on those. See, that's what we tend to do. We wanna be judged on our best possible day, but we look at others and judge them on their worst. So what if you're looking at somebody else and you see the problems in their life and it's their worst day? It's their absolute worst day. See, it's easy to write a bad review about a waitress when you've never been one. When you've never stood on your feet and endured uh, rude, low-tipping customers uh, and you have no idea what their life might be like. Maybe it's a, a, a woman and she's having a bad day. Maybe she's a single mom and you don't know it. And here's the biggest judgment. I, I read judgments all the time because uh, people review churches. And, you know, we've actually gotten some bad reviews that weren't about us at all because we have a common name, which we're about to fix. That'll be fixed on August 27th. Have you heard about that? Because people get confused and then they'll write like, one review was just horrible review about our thrift store in the lobby uh, it was more about selling items than it was about uh, teaching people about Jesus. We don't have a thrift store. And then it even mentioned a staff person's name that was not even a right name. So we're about to fix that. My favorite, there, there's this meme, you've probably seen it. It's a quote by Francis Chan. It says, when somebody comes up and says, I didn't like worship today. His response was, that's okay. We weren't worshiping you anyway. So listen to this review. This is a real review that someone gave us. They said, this is the most friendly church I've ever attended. From the time I got out of my car to dropping off my kids to the nice lady who asked if I wanted to sit with her, it was a great experience. We loved the sermon, thank you very much. And music, we will be back. No joke, same day, different reviewer. I came in and went all the way to my seat. Nobody greeted me or said hello afterwards. You really need to work on being more friendly. Same day, two different people. I, when I read those, I'm like, is there a site that's like, this is where pastors get to review their people? Like, shows up twice a year, sits on the back, never gives anything, never, never volunteers. Like, is there a place I get to do that? But we do want to be judged on our best day, but we want to judge, judge others on their worst and you might say, wait, but you still shouldn't judge people. So if I left here today, if we, went, if we opened that door and somebody's breaking in our cars out there today, would we say, hey, we don't want to judge you. 
No, we would say, you're a thief. You need to stop. We'd call the police because we can look and make a quick judgment. Stealing is wrong, and it's okay for me to call that out because it's wrong. If we didn't make judgments between right and wrong, how could we ever lead our families? How could you ever raise kids? How could you ever have integrity if you didn't make judgment calls every single day? How could you ever have any real friends if you were never willing to look at them and say, hey, what you're doing is dangerous. You're jeopardizing your integrity. You could be harming your marriage. If your spouse is getting too close to a coworker, should you judge them or not? You should judge them. If you see a friend who's married to somebody else and you watch them getting close to someone that's not their spouse, judge them. Tell them that's wrong and to watch out and stop it. So parents, you should teach your kids to judge. How to judge, because they need it. I will open myself up. If you see me doing something wrong that will harm myself, my family, or my church, judge me. Come and tell me. Let let me simplify it. You can't judge someone's heart. And that's what Jesus is talking about. We, We can't, I can't see your heart. I can only see your actions. And if your actions are wrong, we can judge them. You can't judge someone's heart, but you can judge someone's sin. See, in reality, God's word's already done the judging. So if someone's greedy or sexually immoral or a gossip or slander, God's word has already judged those as sin. And so when we judge those as sin, God's word is what's doing the judging. If we can't call out sin, how could we ever help someone move closer to Christ? In Hebrews chapter four, verse 12, it says this, for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. In in a couple messages from now in this series, we're gonna hear Jesus talk about uh, what it means to choose the narrow way. How would you choose the narrow way if you didn't make a judgment. You have to be able to judge what the wide way is and what you want to stay away from. How could you ever choose good friends that help you in life if you didn't judge that those friends aren't good for you? Then Jesus is going to talk about how to recognize a false teacher. How could you ever recognize a false teacher unless you judge what they're teaching as false? How could you ever do that? Calling something sin, the Bible calls sin, is not judging. It's speaking truth. Now, you should be nice. But if something is sin and we call it sin, that's not judgment. That's called telling the truth. Here's how Jesus handled sin. In John chapter 8, Beginning in verse uh, 37, this is how Jesus handled it. The teacher to the law and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery. 
They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law of Moses, it commanded us to stone such a woman. Now, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down, wrote on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, let any one of you who is without sin throw the first stone at her. Now, this lady was sinning. Now, there was a guy involved, obviously. They let him go, and they had other motives. But she was living in sin, and she got caught. They didn't care about her. They wanted to trap Jesus, and they were hypocrites. They were the ones with the big planks in their eyes, and she had this sin in her life. But they judged her without ever considering theirs. And Jesus, as this woman is caught, as she's clearly living in sin, as she had clearly sinned, we can all judge and say, yes, it's wrong to commit adultery. And if she were here, we could say, it's wrong to commit adultery. So how does Jesus treat people when they sin? Does he condemn their souls to hell for all eternity? Here's what happened. Jesus straightened up and asked her, woman, where are they? Because all the accusers left when he said, if you don't have sin, throw the first stone. And they realized, oh, well, probably shouldn't do that. Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. And here's the key phrase. Go now and leave your life of sin. What do you mean sin, Jesus? You're judging me, Jesus. You're telling me I'm sinning. That's what people today would say. He says, I'm not condemning you, but you need to leave your life of sin. Some translations say, go from here and stop sinning. Try telling somebody to stop sinning today. You're probably going to get back. Don't judge me. You can't judge me. Jesus refused to condemn her to death. That's the condemnation he was talking about. That was the law. She could have been stoned and it would have been totally legal but he showed her grace, but he never minimized her sin and he told her to stop. See, there's a right way to judge and there's a wrong way. This is the right way. Giving someone grace and yet telling them the truth. See, we can't see hearts. We can't grant or withdraw salvation, but we can rightly judge actions. In fact, we must rightly judge actions. And then Jesus ends this section in Matthew 7, by saying something that uh, is kind of peculiar. He says, do not give to dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and then turn and tear you to pieces. Now, he mentions two animals. Any dog lovers? Are you a dog lover in the room? Confess, you're a dog lover. I like my dog. He's fun to be around, so I get it. Uh, Jesus isn't talking about the sweet little dog that will, you know, come and greet you when you get home and, you know, sit by you in the chair. He's not talking about that because in that day, most dogs were strays. They ran in packs. They were scavengers. Uh, they were dangerous. They were dirty. They were definitely not pets. And then he mentions pigs to the Jews. Pigs are even worse than mangy stray dogs. And he's saying, these dogs and these pigs don't put anything of value before them because they will not recognize it. In fact, they'll tear you to pieces. 
He's talking about evil, unrepentant, unwilling to change people. Now, don't think about all the people like that in your life and run and tell them, hey, stop sinning today. That's probably not gonna work. Jesus is giving a warning. It's like, if you're a camper, especially if you're camping way out west, they have signs that said, don't feed the what? Bears. You know why? Because the bears don't know the difference in eating something you give them and eating you. That you feed a bear, it might come back and eat you. And Jesus is saying something like that. You give, you give judgment to someone that doesn't want to hear it, has no intention of changing, has no respect for God, they'll devour you. Now, there is a time to lovingly confront someone to help them move past the sin in their life. And there's a time to use your discernment to know this is a total waste of my time and doing so would only end up harming me. It, it, it's kind of like the phrase your grandma probably said. Never fight with a pig. You'll both get dirty and the pig will enjoy it. That's what Jesus is saying. Don't put this holy, righteous judgment before someone who has no intention, would not receive it because you may get devoured in the process. It's like, I will see posts that people will make or a response and I'll see, I'll see them make a response and I want to say something so bad. There was just one last week that I knew if I said something, I would just like bury them because I could have won that argument but I thought of, you know what? It won't end with me saying something. It won't end with me typing some words of truth. So I just thought about what I would say and felt really good about it. Proverbs 9 verse 8 says, do not rebuke mockers or they will hate you. Rebuke the wise and they will love you. So here's what I've found to be true because I've had to confront people several times throughout my life. And people react in a couple different ways. One way they react with brokenness and then they have actions in their life to prove they're broken and they want to change. Another way when you confront people, they are what we could call mockers of God because they're so narrow-minded they can only see things their way. I prefer to confront the people that says, thanks for caring enough to confront. But if you just look at responses, you can see where they are. So here's some final thoughts about judgment for us to remember. Number one, my sin clouds my judgment. See, there's a hypocritical way to judge, and that's quickly looking at other sins and never paying attention to yours. So judgment should start here with me. That's what Jesus says, hey, first, Pay attention to the sin in your life. Doesn't mean you have to be sinless to confront anybody, but first pay attention and familiarize yourself with God's word, which will convict you of your sins, help you overcome them. Because Jesus said, this is how you judge correctly. First, look inside yourself, take inventory of where you are, and then you can see clearly to judge. Last thing is only God can judge hearts. We can only see actions. You don't know where somebody's heart is. You, you can't see it. 
God, only God sees that. You can see actions and you can make judgments as to what's right and wrong based on actions. So these six verses shine a light on the right way to judge. We're gonna end today by just reading them start to finish because I kind of broke them up. Listen to these verses again. Do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your own eye. Then you will be able to clearly, you will be able to see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give to dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. So Jesus says, judge, but judge carefully. Judge, but judge in a way that you have looked at yourself first. Judge between right and wrong. Teach your kids how to judge between right and wrong. Teach them how to choose the right friends and avoid the wrong friends. And above all else, teach them how to look inside themselves and see where they are in their relationship with God. Let's pray. God, as we read these verses that are so opposed to the world's way of thinking, God, I pray that we first can look at ourselves before we ever pronounce any judgment, any declaration of what is wrong what someone else is doing wrong, may we first look inside before we take that step. I pray this in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to the Devoted City Church Podcast. If you liked today's episode, rate us and subscribe so others can be encouraged too. We invite you to join us on a weekend at one of our locations or online at devotedcity.com.